Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Bill, Katie, and I are in the middle of a new sermon series which uses the book of Acts as a blueprint, not only for the birth of the early church, but the rebirth, re in parentheses, of the church in this emerging, hopefully post-pandemic time. In Acts, we find what Bill calls the fundamentals of worship, community, fellowship, and today, education, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. So I've been comparing notes with fellow parents of college students, and the consensus is that students are delighted that campuses are full again, except there's the usual parking hassles now. My own daughter sent me pictures of the laser cutter in her architecture studio, a room that has been closed for 18 months. Now, her professors made a valiant effort at online teaching and making that hands-on. They had them make scale model toothpick models, and she even poured con concrete in the front yard of her sorority house into a mold. But these are poor substitutes for the hands-on learning that is possible in person with well-equipped studios and labs. So our understanding that education is experiential is an idea that grew in part from this local community. You may have heard the name Carlton Washburn, for whom the Winnetka School is named. He was the superintendent there for many years, and he had a hands-on philosophy of education that he called living. Now, Washburn was a product of John Dewey through Francis Parker, and together they created an educational movement that was counter to the lockstep wrote instruction, one-size-fits-all model of education. And they did this in the early 1900s at the same time that this church was, you know, formed and being formed in its Christian education. So in the church history book, you will find several of the innovative curricula used to create a school of love, of grace, and of hope a school here that seeks to form disciples of Jesus Christ who not only know things about God and the Bible, but who practice living in the way of Jesus in their everyday lives. The last in-person event that I attended at this church before the pandemic shutdown was prayer and painting led by our own wonderful Mignon du Pepe and attended by more than a dozen people on March 10th, 2020. 
Just like in Acts, we shared a simple supper, we prayed with paint, and we enjoyed each other's fellowship. If memory serves, an enjoyable and meaningful time was had by all. And the idea for this event came out of Children's Ministries' five-year strategic plan. A plan that is grounded in research about the importance of having adult faith mentors in nurturing the next generation of young Christians. And so the plan seeks to add intergenerational faith-forming opportunities to our already robust education offerings in this church. Now, Christian educators have been aware that the Sunday school model has been called into question over the past several decades, and this ongoing conversation sort of came to a head in 2016 when several books and articles declared Sunday school is killing the church. I'm here to tell you that that is not the case at Kenilworth Union Church. Sunday school is a piece of our Christian education program, an important piece grounded in rich traditions. Before the pandemic, our strategic plan was working. We had a notable increase in attendance for children and youth and more family ministry involvement. And it wasn't just attendance, but it was new families. And there was this engagement and a buzz and there was momentum. All of these things were so palpable in January and February of 2020. And all of this was coming from the desire of church leadership to create what they called a 24-7 culture of faith formation. It's innovative, yet grounded in the rich traditions of this church. Now, before the pandemic, this church was shocking church consultants with our attendance numbers. A church with our worshiping size would expect about 45 children a week, in the whole week, and we were doubling that. And youth ministry was even a greater, more than doubling that number. So then, just two days after prayer and painting, there was the shutdown. Children and family ministry did not host another in-person event for 177 days. Yes, we were online, and yes, we brought camels to the front lawn, but in-person was 177 days. And so along with my colleagues, I began to wonder about the future of Christian education. In Acts chapter 2, in addition to praising and worshiping God in the temple, we find what I think of as four cornerstones of Christian formation, teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. Just one of them, teaching, is what most of us would call education in the traditional sense. But a growing volume of research supposes that all four of these are experiential practices that form people into faithful Christians who not only know God with their minds, but love and worship God with their hearts and their souls. A few of you are noticing that I am wearing red, the color of Pentecost, even though, gasp, The liturgical color is, in fact, green today. And I am doing this for two reasons. The first is that I received this stole on Friday as a gift at my ordination. And in the United Methodist Church, we wear red at ordination. It is the color of the Holy Spirit and recognizes the Holy Spirit's gift to the church. 
But the second reason that I'm wearing red is somewhat coincidental. Today's passage in Acts chapter 2 follows the coming of the Holy Spirit like tongues of fire, and then the subsequent baptism of 3,000 people, which we call the birth of the church that has spread around the globe over thousands of years. So you might be wondering, does it matter that we teach the liturgical colors in Sunday school? Does knowing the colors make us more faithful? No, but when we participate in the life of Christ through the church year, moving from yearning and anticipation in Advent through the life and teachings of Jesus into the intentionality of Lent and the sorrow of Holy Week, followed by the joy and hope of Easter, when our calendar rhythms are formed to the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are transformed, just as the people of Acts were transformed through their faith practices by the power of the Holy Spirit into a new community filled with awe and wonder. But perhaps this transformative power of everyday faith practices should come with a warning label likely to cause surprising changes. Those of you have, who have children or grandchildren who go on confirmation and wilderness trips with, and mission trips with Sylvie Pern know the kind of transformative change that I'm talking about. These trips aren't about classroom learning or even just a service project. They are about the practice of living in community and I'm gonna paraphrase Sylvie's words here. She says, what we are doing is stripping ourselves from what is familiar and worldly and submitting ourselves to God for the week. Through this practice of community by the power of the Spirit, youth learn important lessons. They learn to trust in God, to serve humbly, and to live in unity with Christians in far away places. With suitcases full of dirty laundry, they come home, changed and transformed. And the same thing can happen in adult Bible study. Just this week, as we were reading Exodus, we were led into a rich discussion on the difference between God's socioeconomic vision and Pharaoh's. A comparison that put our own beliefs and actions in conversation with the realities of the economically vulnerable in our world today. In Acts, the daily practice of, of the community of believers results in transformation, a new relationship with their material goods. We read they had all things in common and they sold their possessions and their goods and they distributed the proceeds to those in need. Pay attention here. Communal sharing isn't the requirement to be part of this community, but the surprising change that results from these daily faith practices awe and wonder indeed. So, what is the future of Christian education in this church after 18 months of pandemic disruption? I am happy to report that statistically we are still defying the predictions of consultants. And I would like to suggest that there are three lessons from the Acts community that might guide us in this time of rebirth three lessons that lead us forward into innovative faith formations grounded in the rich traditions of this church and consistent with the most recent research findings. 
So here they are. First, faith formation is a part of daily life. It is 24-7, not just Sundays only. The community in Acts shows us how experiential growth and learning through daily practices of prayer and giving thanks and studying scripture and living in community are a part of our education. Our email devotionals, our KUC.org website, and the youth ministry website, and the new children's ministry app are full of ways to practice faith in your daily life. So I encourage you to take a look there when you're looking for a prayer or a scripture reading. Second, being formed as a follower of Jesus Christ is a lifelong practice. Children's and youth ministry is just the beginning of a continual practice or continual process of growing in the love and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you all to mark your calendars. There are several wonderful adult education and racial justice committee events happening this month, including the one mentioned that is tomorrow night. And finally, Christian education is multi-generational. Not only do adults who pray and worship and study the Bible and care for one another serve as models and mentors for youth, our youth bring important insights and ideas into our lives, things that enrich us in the conversation. So let's explore together how we could supplement our current age level offerings with multi-generational opportunities for worshiping, learning, and serving together. Let's look back at our 2020 prayer and painting event and forward to the Tulsa mission trip and imagine what, be, what might be spirit-led and spirit-filled multi-age opportunities in this emerging era. Friends, let us rediscover and recommit to the foundational educational faith practices that are bound to lead us to transformation made possible by the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.